Well, today, we come to the end of Psalms 23. There's only six verses in this psalm, but every one of those verses has depth to them. And those six verses are 12 pictures or 12 metaphors of who God is and how he walks with us through times of uncertainty. Now in our last message, we come to the very last verse. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And here's the kicker. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This statement, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, is an understatement of the year. Folks, we have gone through 11 pictures of who God is and how he helps you and I to rest during times of stress. But here in the last phrase of the last verse, he says, oh, by the way, I'm a homeowner. And I want you to live with me forever. Now that statement is like, you just won the game show prize of a lifetime. A a year, a lifetime supply of potato chips. Along with three houses to eat them in. This is a huge deal. It is, it is better than the previous 11 pictures or metaphors that we've talked about. This one is about him, God, being with you, or you being with him, I should say, forever and ever and ever. What I want to do in this final message is to look at what God's home is like by asking three questions. What is heaven How is it different from earth, and what are we going to be doing while we're there? So let's get started real quickly. First of all, what is heaven? Take a look at Ephesians chapter 2, 5 and 7. It is through grace that we have been saved, and God has given us a place with Christ in heaven. Stop right there. What is heaven? It is a place where you and I will be with Christ. That's what heaven is. Why would God do that? Continue. To show for all ages to come God's goodness to us because of Christ. He's saying here that he's not only going to be with you and provide for you while you are on this side of eternity, but he wants you to be with him for the rest of eternity future. I will will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Folks, this is phenomenal. Why does God do this? To show who he is. To show his goodness that it's not time dated. That it's not just limited to here on earth. That who God is and what God does for us will go on forever and ever and ever and ever. So I want us to take a look at this place that we're going to be with Christ, with God, forever and ever. And I'm just going to hit the highlights. Now in order to do this, I need to say this. Everything that you have seen in the movies 
about heaven is wrong. Even Christian movies don't get it right because heaven is unexplainable. It is incomprehensible to our brains. It would be like an ant trying to understand the computer, the internet system. Folks, it's just impossible. So too with us, it's impossible to get our minds around this home that God has with us that we will be with Christ forever and ever. When you look at heaven or when you look at an ocean, when you look at a sunrise, when you look at a sunset, when you look at the mountains of Colorado, which is where I wish I was at right now, okay? When you look at a beautiful valley, when you look at the intricacies of a flower or of a plant or all the different kinds of animals, does that bore you? No. And that is an imperfect picture of heaven. Folks, heaven will be perfect. And so what is this home in heaven like? Well, we know it is a place where we will be with Christ. But there are three other things. I want you to write these down, okay? The first one is simply this. Heaven is a physical place, not a state of being. It is not nirvana, It is not some dream state. It is not some metaphorical attitude. It is a real place. Jesus told us in John 14, 2 and 3, there is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you that I am, if this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare, what? A place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. If God's home was not a place, then Jesus is the greatest liar in history. Because he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when it is ready, guess what? I'm going to come to you personally. When you die, God doesn't send his angels. He comes to you personally, and he takes you back home to this place that he has prepared for you. Folks, you got a condo in heaven. And why is that? Because the father wants all of his kids to be close. The second thing that we know about heaven is that it is a Will you write this down? A permanent place. It's not just a physical place. It is a permanent place. In other words, it's not going to get bulldozed down 20 years after you get there and, they, uh, and God erects some high rise. No, it is a place that's going to last forever. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 5.1. It will be a home in heaven that will last forever. And God's going to gather all of his kids, the Bible says, in heaven and on earth. And they're going to be in this home forever. Take a look at Ephesians 1.10. This was his purpose, that when the time is ripe, he will gather us all together from wherever we are, in heaven or on earth, to be with him in Christ forever. And so it is a permanent place. It is a physical place. 
And it is a permanent place. But number three, this is the one that most people get wrong. Will you write this down? It is a reserved place for only God's family. Heaven is not for everybody. If everybody went to heaven just the way they were, it would not be any different than earth. It wouldn't be special at all. If God let the Hitlers and the Stalins and the Pol Pots and the Mao Zedongs come as they were, guess what? It wouldn't be special at all. Heaven is for the children of God. It is God's home, and he gets to choose who is in it. Now, you get to choose if you want to be a part of God's family. That is totally up to you. In fact, God invites everyone to be a part of his family. But not everyone meets the conditions. What are the conditions? That you accept God's grace. That you accept God's forgiveness. That you realize that you, uh, to get into heaven, that you don't have the power to get there on your own. Heaven is a perfect place, and I don't have the power to be perfect, folks. I, I gave up my perfection a long time ago. And so I need a plan. And God's plan is that he sent Jesus Christ God's son to come to earth and he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross so that I could have his perfection, so that I could be in his home. And when someone does that, the Bible says that their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Take a look at Revelations 21, 27. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of the living will enter the city. He's talking about heaven here, okay? Now, what is the Lamb's book of the living or the Lamb's book of life? Well, the Lamb always represents Jesus who sacrificed himself for my sins and your sins. And if your name isn't in it, you don't get in. If your name is in it, you get in. Well, how do I get my name in this, this book? You do what Jesus says. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. How do you get your name in the book of life, the, 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 the book, the Lamb's book of life, by putting your trust in God's Son, the Lamb, who died for your sins, who paid for your sins. When I do that, my name is written in the book. So what I'm saying is this. You need to have advanced reservations before you get there. Because when you get there, and if your name isn't written in the Lamb's Book of Life, guess what? You don't get in. 
Folks, I have never understood this. That if I never wanted God in my life before I died, why in the world would I want God in my life after I died? I wouldn't. If I wanted, uh, if I wanted to be God of my own life before I died, why in the world would I want God to be a, 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 a part of my life after I die? I wouldn't. If I wanted to live my life apart from God before I died, why would a person want to have God be a part of their life after they die for all eternity? They wouldn't. And so what I'm saying is this. God doesn't send anybody to hell. A person chooses it themselves. God says there is only one door that you have to go through to get into my house. And if I don't want to go through that door, if I don't want to believe that door, if I don't want to trust in that door, if I don't want to obey that door, who do I have to blame? To go to hell is to reject the love of God the grace of God, the forgiveness of God. Why would a person do that? One reason, pride. I want to make my own doorway to heaven and I'm going to walk through that doorway. And God says, it's your choice. But if you want to live in my house, you got to go by my rules. And what are those rules? Simply this. Trust Jesus for your salvation. Because you can't be good enough to get into heaven. Which is a perfect place. Without the perfection of Jesus Christ. It is a physical place. It is a permanent place. It is a reserved place for God's kids. And that should be the greatest thing that we celebrate above all else. Yes, we celebrate what God does in us and through us. No ifs, ands, buts about that. But the greatest celebration ought to be for what lies ahead for us that we will dwell in the house of the Lord, folks, forever and ever and ever. One day, Jesus sent out his disciples to, to do missionary work, and he gave them power to, to do miracles, to cast out demons from people. And when they got back, they were just partying hard, and they said, oh, man, this is just totally awesome. And then Jesus said this to them in Luke 10, 20. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. The moment you step across the line of faith and trust Jesus for your salvation, God puts your name in the registry of heaven. He puts it in the Lamb's book of life. And when you die... 
and you get to heaven's door, God's going to say to you, oh, I see that you've made advanced reservations. <laughs> Come on in. We're glad you're here. Welcome to your new home. God, folks, God has given us elements to remember the sacrifice that God made so that we could spend an eternity into his home. It is called the Lord's Supper. And Jesus instituted this the, the night before he was betrayed and was crucified on the cross to pay for our sins so that we could have salvation. And so I want you to get your bread and your juice. And we're going to remember what God has done for us. Let's get the bread. Right here, I have a loaf. And let's take this bread. And Paul said of the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread. In the same way, let's take the cup. After supper, he took the, the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take the juice. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's just pray for a moment. Lord, I thank you that you left heaven above and you came into our world and you lived that perfect life and you died on the cross so that we could have our sins pardoned, that we might be able to enter into your perfect place called heaven. We thank you for that, God. We know that we couldn't get there on our own. And we thank you that you sealed the deal because you resurrected. You came back to life to prove to us that what you did was sufficient. And God, we long for the day when you will come back and that you will take us to yourself where we will be in your house forever and ever and ever. And God, may our hearts rejoice and celebrate in that reality and in that hope. God, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let's talk about how is God's home, heaven, different 
from earth. How is it? Answer, very different. In fact, we can't even describe it. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, Paul said this, No eye has ever seen, no ear has ever heard, and no mind has even imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Folks, heaven is so different that you and I can't get our minds wrapped around it. I mean, you just think of the coolest thing that you have ever experienced in life. The most pleasurable thing that you've ever experienced in life. The most beautiful thing that you've ever experienced in life. The most tasty thing that you've ever tasted and experienced in life. And God comes along and he says, heaven is going to be better. Nobody has even imagined what this home in heaven is going to be like. I really believe that the main reason why most people do not long to be in heaven is because everything that they've learned about it, folks, is just wrong. Like I mentioned earlier, almost every movie about heaven makes heaven boring. It's all white. How boring is all white? Why in the world would heaven be all white when he's invented and made and created all these different colors? And when you're there, guess what? There's fog at your feet. You can't see your feet. I mean, how weird is that? And when you're there, guess what? You got this white robe with wings flapping in the back. Folks, that is freaky, okay? And you become an angel, which you don't. And you play a harp. Folks, if that's what heaven is like, no thank you. I would rather stay on earth even though it is broken. Heaven in no way is like the movies you and I have seen. Now, because I am human, <laughs> I can't explain what heaven is like. I don't and you don't have the brain capacity. But what I can do is tell you what's not in heaven. And that is a big deal. Because if you know what is not in heaven, folks, it makes it a cool place. We know what heaven, or we know what's here on earth that we don't like. So knowing what the, what's not going to be in heaven, those things that are not going to be in heaven, makes it really, really, really cool. Now there are a lot of verses about this, but what I want to do is I just want to choose a couple of them. In the book of Revelation, written by John, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, while on the Isle of Patmos, being exiled there, he had a revelation, not revelations, plural, one revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And God gave him a glimpse of heaven. And in Revelation 21, nine things are mentioned that aren't in heaven. I'm going to just list them out for you. Just, just listen to this. There is no temple in heaven. Why? Because God is everywhere and he doesn't need a special building. There is no sun or moon in heaven. Why? Because God's glory lights up everything. There's no shut gates in heaven. 
Why? Because there's no crime in heaven, okay? Gates are for protection. Fourth thing, there's no night in heaven. Why? Because you're not going to get tired. Fifth thing, there's nothing impure or unclean in heaven. You're going to have pure water and you're going to have pure air. Everything's going to be clean in heaven. You're not going to have to clean your room. How about that one, okay? And I hope you don't have to make your bed. (laughs) Sixth thing, there's no immorality in heaven. One of the reasons why people don't want to go to heaven is because they love immorality. You hear people all the time, I don't want to go to heaven, I want to go to hell, where all my friends are at so we can party. That's why they don't want to go to heaven. They they love immorality. The seventh thing, there's no shame in heaven. Can you imagine living the rest of your life without feeling shame? I mean, how great would that be? No guilt, no regrets, no shame. Heaven is a shame-free zone. That emotion does not exist in heaven. No one will ever feel inferior or insecure or shame in heaven. Eighth thing it's mentioned in in Revelation 21 is that there's no deceit in heaven. Everybody tells the truth. If someone tells you something in heaven, guess what? You can take it to the bank. And then the ninth thing. Only people whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life are there. It is reserved for God's kids. Everybody's been created and loved by God, but not everybody is a child of God. You've got to be a child of God by either being born into his family or adopted into his family. The Bible uses those two metaphors for God's kids. Now again, how is heaven different from earth? Well, you're probably familiar with this verse. In Revelations 21, it gives us four things. It says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death, one, or sorrow, two, or crying, three, or pain, four. All these things are gone forever. Wow, I'm in, okay? I don't know about you, but but I'm in. No more death. No more losses in life. No more pain. No more physical pain. No more more emotional pain. No more mental pain. Folks, why is there pain and death on earth? It's because we've chosen to disobey God. But Christ comes in and he says, if you will trust me with your salvation, I guarantee you in your future, there'll be no more of this kind of stuff. I want to encourage you to do a study on the phrase, no more or no longer. Folks, heaven is a perfect place and there's going to be a lot of things that aren't going to be there and that makes it a cool place last week i mentioned and gave you a gratitude list from a through z and i said if you are just grateful for what you have that your stress level will go down and your confidence for living in the present will go up 
and I gave you spiritual things, and I asked you to fill out um, physical things and relational things, A through Z. Well, let me give you a list of things that won't be in heaven that you can be grateful for, and I'm going to give you A through Q. I'm going to give you two-thirds of the alphabet, okay, and then you can fill in the rest. Listen to this list I've come up with. No accidents, no bullies, no cancer, no dead ends, no earthquakes, no flops, failures, or fumbles, no garbage, no hunger, no irritations, no jealousies, no keys missing, no lawyers, <laughs> no misunderstandings, no nose hairs. No old age, no prejudice, no quarrels. I think you get the idea. You fill out R through Z, okay? I, if you do, your stress level will go down and your confidence for living will go up. Now this leads us to the last question. What will we do in heaven a lot of people have questions about, well, what in the world are we going to do in heaven? When you go to a grave yard, grave, uh, a, yeah, a cemetery, you might see a tombstone that says, R.I.P., rest in peace. And living on this side of eternity, you think, man, that would be a great idea. But I don't know. I can only probably do that for a couple of weeks. Well, understand this. God didn't create you for permanent retirement, to just veg out. No, you are going to do a lot of cool things in heaven. Like what, Pastor George? Well, you're going to be able to eat in heaven and not gain weight. You're going to be able to sleep in heaven if you want to. You don't have to, but if you want to. You're going to party in heaven. You're going to breathe in heaven. You're going to talk in heaven. You're going to love God in heaven. You're going to have fellowship with other people who love Jesus in heaven. You're going to serve others with the gifts that you have in heaven. You are going to grow in heaven. The only thing you won't do in heaven is witness to unbelievers because there won't be any unbelievers in heaven. In fact, there are two things that you won't do in heaven. You won't witness to unbelievers because there's no unbelievers in heaven. And secondly, you won't sin in heaven because it's a perfect place. Now, as you think about those two things, why, after you said yes to Jesus, did he leave you here on earth out of those two things? I think it's pretty obvious. He didn't leave you here on earth after you said yes to Jesus to sin. He left you here to share your story of how you came to know Jesus while you listen to other people's story and you weave in God's story. It is one of the major purposes of your life. So what are we going to do when we get into heaven? Three major things. The first one is this. Will you write this down? You and I will be reunited with those who love Jesus. It is going to be a big family reunion. Take a look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. There will be one huge family reunion with the master. I mean, can you imagine how emotional that time will be? 
Folks, I've been a pastor for over 40 years now. And when I was first young, I didn't really think a whole lot about heaven because I really liked living on earth. But as time has gone by and uh, various family members and, very, and some very close friends who have died and gone to heaven, you know what that has done for me? It has made my heart more fond of heaven. In one sense, I can't wait to get there because it's going to be a big family reunion. Oftentimes I play the game. When I die and I'm in heaven, after I've talked with Jesus, who do you want to talk to Jesus or who do you want to talk to first after Jesus? Hey, online church, shout that out. Who, who would you like to talk to? I've thought of this, uh, Lazarus. I'd, I'd want to talk to Lazarus. Lazarus, I mean, how was it? I mean, you were in heaven after you died and then you had to come back to earth. Was that a bummer for you or what, okay? It's going to be a big family reunion. The second thing that we're going to do in heaven is that we are going to be rewarded for our, our faith, our hope, and our love. Jesus talks a lot about the rewards that we will receive in heaven. In fact, he said, if you and I just give a cup of cold water to someone in his name, we're going to get credit for it. We're going to get a reward. Now, I want you to understand something, though. Salvation in heaven and rewards in heaven are two different things. Salvation is a gift by God's grace through faith. Rewards are about how you invested your life after you were saved. And you've got one of three choices. You can waste your life even after you're saved. Or you can spend your life or you can invest your life. And the greatest use of your life honestly, is to invest your life into those things that can never be taken away from you. This is called living your life in light of eternity. And God says, invest it. Invest it into something that will last forever. There's a couple of verses on this. John 12, 26. The Father will honor and reward anyone who serves me. In Hebrews 10, 35 don't throw away your confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it will bring you. Now you not only will be rewarded in heaven for how you have invested your life, but the Bible talks about an inheritance that you will get as a reward as well. Colossians 3, 24 says this, Know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward for serving Christ. You will receive an inheritance as a reward. You might ask, well, what kind of inheritance is it? A priceless inheritance. A whole lot more than a MasterCard, okay? First Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says, God has reserved a priceless inheritance for his children, it's kept in heaven for you. And that inheritance from eternity past has been gathering interest. In essence, you, your 401k is out of this world. Now, why would God do that? Why would God do these things? 
because God is a good God. And he is good all the time. And he isn't just good on this side of eternity. No, he is going to be good to us as we are in his house forever and ever and ever and ever. We're going to be reunited with those who love Jesus. We're going to be rewarded for our faith, hope, and love. And then lastly, we are going to be assigned work that we enjoy doing. Because God knows your shape better than you know your shape. And he's going to give you a work that is not frustrating whatsoever, but is eternally fulfilling. Take a look at Matthew 25, 21. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Will you circle the phrase, put you in charge? I kind of like that phrase because I like to be in charge, okay? But that's an interesting phrase, isn't it? When you get to heaven, God's going to put you in charge of some things based on how well, how faithful you were with the things that he gave you here. And if you've been faithful, even with a little bit, God says, I'll give you more. If you've been faithful with a little bit of influence, maybe with your neighbors, maybe with your coworkers, maybe with families in your neighborhood, God says, guess what? I'll give you more influence in heaven. If you've been faithful with your talents, with your time, I'll give you more talent and I'll give you more time than you can even count. So what am I saying? Simply this, that life is a test. Life is preparation for eternity. It is the warm-up act. It is the dress rehearsal for the real play. It is the pre-band before the real stars step out on the stage. So let me ask you this. How are you using what God has given you now? Even if it's a little bit and you're being faithful with it, God says, I'll give you more. I will put you in charge of many things. That phrase, put you in charge, the Bible refers to as ruling and reigning with Christ. And John, one of the 12 disciples who wrote the book of Revelation, said it like this in Revelation 22, 3 and 5. The throne of God and of the Lamb, that is Jesus, will be in the city, that's heaven, and his servants will serve him, that's work. And they will see his face, and they will not need the light of a lamp, or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign, circle that, and they will reign forever and ever and ever and ever. Have you settled the issue of heaven yet? 
There's only one way. And Jesus is that door. You have to walk through him. You have to believe in him. You have to trust in him. You have to accept his grace. You have to accept his forgiveness. You have to accept that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, if you do, your name is written in the book of life. I want to give you a chance to do that. So I want you to bow your heads. Wherever you're at right now, you may be in your family room, you may be in the kitchen, you may be in your bed watching this online, I don't know. It doesn't matter where you're at, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter, folks, what you've done. It doesn't matter who you've done it with, it doesn't matter where you've done it. Jesus says, if you will just trust in him and walk through him being the door, that your name will be written in the book of life. So will you bow your heads and just follow me in this simple prayer. Just say something like this in your heart. Dear Jesus, I admit that I've been trying to build my way to your place called heaven, to build my door, to walk through that door to get there. And it's not working, God, and I know it, and I feel it, and I see it in my life. And so right now, I'm putting my trust in you. I believe in you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to walk through your door by accepting your grace, and putting my pride aside, in essence, dropping you from my head into my heart. And I thank you for what you've done. And because of you, God, <coughs> write my name in your book.